Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we've got a great story of malicious compliance where a teacher maliciously complies with a student who insists they're not grading accurately. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, every request needs a ticket? Understood. A few years ago, I was an IT analyst for an aerospace company in Toronto. There were three sites and one analyst for each site. I was barely able to keep up with the workload for my site, but managed. One day, I found out that one analyst had given a month notice and had already quit. The company did not replace him. I had to drive daily between cities to manage both sites. Shortly after, my boss was let go and I was given a new boss who lived in another country. The work piled up, and several employees at a time would have non-working computers because there was nobody to help them. I had to stop supporting projects that I was involved in with other managers, like getting 20 computers for the factory floor. This was definitely going to blow up, and I needed to cover myself. I had a talk with the GM and explained that I'd get walk-ups, phone calls, texts, and emails because most of the employees refused to use the ticket system. I'd even have employees coming up when I was on a call and trying to talk in my ear. The GM decided that all requests must come in the form of a ticket. I adopted a no ticket equals no work policy and enforced it on all employees and managers. I also stopped answering texts and calls. I'd answer all email requests with, please open a ticket. Most managers refused, so I would just thank them for their time while they fumed off to file a complaint against me. A week went by with no copier on the main floor because everyone refused to open a ticket to request more ink. Everyone had to walk downstairs to make their copies. A week went by with several laths in the factory not working because everyone refused to open a ticket. Several computer illiterate or lazy employees would now have to ask their coworkers for help because they refused to open a ticket and now they're behind on their work. Sometimes a new employee would spend two or three days in the office with no laptop and no user account because the requests never came in the form of a ticket. Employees would go on business trips without laptops because they refused to open a ticket. This went on for several months and I was able to partially manage both sites, but it was exhausting arguing with everyone every day. I'd get threatened by management all the time, but nothing would ever come of it. I found out one day that the company wasn't planning on replacing the employee who quit, so I had enough. I spent a few weeks declining requests as usual, but when they came from a manager I would add, and if you don't like it, then fire me. Request denied. Eventually, I decided my mental health was more valuable than the company, and when the last analyst went on vacation, I simply left my phone and laptop on my desk and stopped coming in for my shifts. Zero notice given. A week later, I get a call from HR. They found my wife's number as an emergency contact and said I let them down and there was nobody to help. I replied with, good, now you know how it feels and left it at that. Six months later, the only analyst left tells me the company replaced my position with two, but they're still in rough shape. All they had to do was replace an employee. You might get a lot of pressure from companies when they lose an employee for you in the meantime to pick up the slack of the lost employee. That's a dangerous thing to comply to, I think, because before very long, they might just not hire somebody like this. 
and just have this expectation that you do two or maybe even three times the amount of work you're supposed to be doing. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is Just Desserts. For many years, I worked at Pizza Hut, or Schmitza Schmutt. I don't know why people avoid the names. To be honest, I don't either. Anyhow, I have a million stories, and while many are malicious, only a few contain much compliance. At this time, I was a dish dude, phone getter, whatever needed doing person. I was persistently amused by how quickly even the most trivial amount of power could go to people's heads. One waitress, who I'll call Donna, and then never use that name again in this whole story, was given some sort of title, like Grand Overlord of Waitstaff or something, which conferred upon her the power to do the same job as before, but with more work. She wasn't actual management, not that I would have cared much if she was. I showed up early every day, as was my habit, and one evening I was somewhere in the back wandering about 20 minutes before my shift. The phones were ringing and being ignored by just about everyone as usual, so the leading team of the leading waitstaff, who was the leader of the waitering people, ordered me to answer it. If she had asked, I would have done it, as I had a thousand times before, but this was a decree from on high. I informed her that my shift didn't start for a while yet, but this detail failed to impress. I said I would have to clock in before I could use the order-taking computerizing thingy and a manager would have to approve me doing that. They were oddly strict about that for a restaurant. These audacious challenges to the orders of the newly minted executive vice president of people who carry food to tables engendered some exasperation. She said she was a manager and just do it. I did not. So she swiped her card into the magic order screen and yelled politely to just freaking take the phone order. Under her card, her name off the clock. Okay. Humbled by my public defeat, I meekly picked up the phone and proceeded to thank the caller for choosing etc etc and took the order. As I did so, I added seven Bigfoot pizzas with extra whatever, a dozen bottles of beer for delivery, and a couple of dessert pizzas. I told them their real total before all the added nonsense, and the call ended. The thing is, we had stopped selling Bigfoot pizzas a few years before. We hadn't carried dessert pizzas since the mid-15th century, but they were still in the system, and we did not deliver beer as doing so might be illegal. The cooks were confused, the actual managers were confused, and questions were being asked. I assume so anyhow, since I went outside for a smoke. The Royal Duchess of Waitressing came storming out the back door a bit later and said a bunch of words or something and then went back in. As I learned later, after clocking in, she had to get the help of an actual manager to delete all that stuff and change the total, which messes up their numbers or something. I don't really know why, but they sure didn't like deleting things. And she had to tell them that she had me use her swipey name thing to take the order because I was off the clock. And they really did not care for that at all. Right in front of the assistant manager, she threatened to write me up, which she did not have any authority to do. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. No customers were harmed in the making of this compliance since they got the actual stuff they ordered, and there was no wastage since no one could make a Bigfoot or dessert pizza if they wanted to. Just a bit of extra paperwork and a very annoyed weight queen. I just love that OP covered every single base here. If you might be worried about wastage, they ordered things they literally cannot make. It makes sure that they have to fess up to giving OP their card and doing something off the books. The only one that may have been in jeopardy, as far as what OP did here, was maybe the customer, if they decided to just cancel the order or something. Our next story is, you need to grade my test accurately. It's for a scholarship. Oh, is it now? Let the pettiness ensue. As much as I'd like to start this off by saying things like, let me tell you a little bit about me. Or, I'm so petty I performed at the Super Bowl halftime show in 2008, and then go into a diatribe about just how petty I could be, this is far from the truth. Perhaps in some alternate petty-verse where over a dozen college students were playing the part of, and absolutely nailing, whiny middle school students complaining about course requirements, or if they happen to begin repeatedly harassing me by way of being on ingrate demo mode or spinning the wheel of you suck at teaching to come up with yet another complained salt wrapped in a thinly veiled question about me and how I run my course, perhaps then I'd let nature take its course and let my pettiness bloom. Like a flower transplanted from an artificial habitat to a campus bordering field in the form of malicious compliance. And wouldn't you know it, somehow, some way, Petty finds a way. That being said, I really try to be a positive, supportive, caring, empathetic, far from sardonic college instructor. My clientele, as referenced above, are mostly college-age students who enroll in what is basically a pre-algebra course my community college likes to call college math. I have the occasional young whiz kid who enrolls in my course to be super advanced, But for the most part, young adults in their 20s and 30s are who I teach, and solving systems of equations by substitution is what I currently teach them. I have many students who struggle and require additional tutoring, and I'm always happy to oblige. There's this one student who I wish would show up to our makeshift tutoring group but never does, 
Let's call her Mara. Mara acts like she's the crap. She seriously acts like we're back in high school, interrupting my demonstrations miraculously because I literally direct instruct for three to five minutes before I popcorn around the room and treat it like a very large standard tutoring session. Mr. OP, my dad says this isn't the way to solve it. Mr. OP, why don't you teach at ASU? Our partnering major university we transfer students to. What did you do wrong that you're teaching at this place? The list goes on and on. For brevity's sake, ha, I'll make sure the story doesn't. We have an exam that about half the class got a 90 or better on, followed by the most of the rest getting B's, C's, etc. I know that this community college, despite its cheap cost, still has many students on full scholarship for one thing or another, whether it be sports, personal hardships, activities, etc. That being said, if I notice a student tanked the test, I may just grade the thing on a curve to allow them to get the most points possible. This is what I chose to do for Mara, and she wound up with an 18 out of 25 on her exam. I typed in the score, took a glance at her paper afterwards, and realized she actually missed yet another question, a major one that would have brought her grade super, super low. I decided to look the other way, part laziness, part being nice. Let's not say how much each part's worth, but they ain't equal. So it's time to return the test that I already had graded in the system when Mara starts up with her questions again. They are literally too tiresome to include. I will say her final piece, however. Mr. OP, I noticed that you gave me an 18 out of 25 on my last test. Could I take a look at the test and see what I got wrong? I definitely didn't miss that much. I tried to use inflection to let her know that she probably should just be happy with the 18 by saying... Yeah, I think I'd be happy with the 18 there, kiddo. Then she suddenly dropped a petty pebble at the top of a snowy hill. She continues, this time standing, walking toward me, pointing her Cruella DeVille finger at me saying, No, you can't just put whatever you want for my grade. 18 out of 25 isn't even possible. I need to keep my GPA high because of all my scholarships. You need to grade my test accurately. Enter pettylicious compliance. I knew good and well that she did not deserve, by any stretch of the imagination, anywhere near the 72% that 18 out of 25 is. She didn't master 72% of the content. She didn't get 72% of the questions correct. I'll be honest and say that when I grade dozens of exams, I tend to look at the most important questions on each test and ensure that these are 100% accurate. I always pepper in some spiraling, thinky-type questions, you know, stuff with rigor, but I don't grade against it. If I ever make an error in grading, it 150% of the time favors the student. I took her particular course's papers out of my Blotash case, file through the exams and find her particular one, and look at it quizzically. Then I look back at her, while my head still positioned toward the paper. I'm trying so hard to give her an out, she wouldn't budge. So I say, you know what, you're right, I did make an error. Oh crud, more than one. I then, behind my desk where the students couldn't see what I was looking at, graded her paper right then and there. By this time I had memorized the answers to the exam without even needing to pull out the key, but I did so, so I made sure she knew I was grading it thoroughly, you know, accurately. She wound up with a 14 out of 25. 
I handed it back to her right then and there and let her know that I'd change the grade accordingly in her grade book. That 14 she got, one of the solutions to the system she just managed to solve for Y but not for X, turned her high C into a solid D. She looked through the exam, scouring it, looking like the toy man from Toy Story, using an infinitely increasing series of overlapping lenses to look for one minuscule error on my part. I also made sure I took a picture of the test before handing it back, so she couldn't pull the, see I made it negative, it's right, sort of thing. She's done that in the past. She quickly whipped out her phone to see how much this grade impacted her overall. She was livid without a direction to hurdle it toward. I could see that this act of petty malicious compliance on my part was a little too far. I actually feel bad for Mara. As she looked up at me, I could see her eyes well up a little bit. It was that too quiet right before something bad was about to happen. My spidey senses were tingling. Side note, this is why I hate Avengers Endgame. Spider-Man looked surprised at his death. He should have sensed it, right? But I digress. Before she started to take her clenched arms, that she looked like she was trying to remove the top of the desk from its connected chair, and turn them on me, I offered a solution. Look, Mara, remember you can do corrections on the exam for a fourth of the credits back, right? That will get you almost all of the points that you were gifted in the first place. What do you say? She sheepishly agreed, wound up with a 17.5 out of 25, and has yet to give me a hard time since. But I'm pretty sure my semester survey will suffer greatly. You know, OP really brings up a great point about the MCU there, but you can definitely tell that OP in most situations is a teacher you actually like having. In 8th grade, I had a teacher for pre-algebra, and I don't know why, but I just did not do anything in that class. I didn't retain any of that knowledge. On the final exam, I surely tanked it super F material. But I finished that year somehow with a 60, which was considered good enough by the state. I'll tell you one thing for certain, I did not earn that 60, so thank you to that teacher. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.